Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. In this week's news, I kind of leveled up this week. I've been low-key dabbling in livestream for a couple months now, and one thing's led to another, and I've started a Days Gone collaboration livestream playthrough with an incredibly talented gamer you're all familiar with, Spornicus Rex. The way it works is he takes the reins on the gaming front because, as we all know, he's amazingly good at what he does, and I get to do what I do best and talk about the story points, character, the details of the world, basically all the good stuff I go into on this podcast. We've been having a blast, and one of the great things about our dynamic is we have a very different playstyle, so I get to push him to try new tactics and maybe teach the Grandmaster a thing or two. I also like to give him a hard time when he dies, and there's a lot of audience participation via the chat where viewers can weigh in on decisions about tactics and strategy. I'll share the details about how and when to tune in at the end of the episode, but right now I want to get into today's topic. It's something I've discussed a few times before, but there's always more to say. Why we love Days Gone. And I have a wonderful guest joining me for the discussion. I am very pleased to welcome Daniel Belmont onto the show. Daniel is the host of Video Games and Coffee, a podcast about video games, their challenges, and the stories we love. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hello, Claire. And hello to the Days Gone pod audience. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, so we met on Instagram when the evil AI algorithm saw that we're both podcasters and game nerds and decided that we probably know each other, or if we don't, we absolutely should. And as we know, the algorithm is all-knowing, all-seeing, and all-wise, because not only did we connect over a love of gaming and a masochistic desire to punish our inner introverts by doing podcasts, but we also share a very deep love of one specific game, namely Days Gone. Absolutely. Uh, like the, You're one of the few times the algorithm actually um, suggested somebody that's correct. <laughs> so I'm glad... Uh, uh, I think I reached out to you, didn't I? I think I said like, you know, good going for doing a whole podcast dedicated to one mm -hmm. game, especially a game that I absolutely love. Yeah. And I, I mean, I obviously connect with a lot of podcasters on Instagram. It's how I met Anthony from the Weird Crew podcast, who was my first ever guest on the show. I love that Instagram kind of recommends people, but yeah, you do sometimes get those a little bit awkward recommendations where people are a little bit like just into self-promotion but you actually seemed really genuine i we instantly kind of connected i think because it was like oh here's a guy who's actually genuinely in love with video games and just loves talking about them and that's obviously what i love doing with this podcast so i think we it, the algorithm like you say kind of <laughs> was right <laughs> it, yeah it was correct this time yeah now, no, I, that you're right. Very, very genuine. Hey, I'm I'm a 37 year old dad and and a husband, and I just hang out in my basement. I just want to talk to other people about the video games that I that I totally just really, really enjoy. I think, hey, almost 40 years old. It's time for me to start talking about it to other people than just my wife, who really tunes out. <laughs> so. You're nearly 40. It's time to start talking about video games. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Um, so podcasting is kind of a strange hobby to inflict upon oneself. Why did you decide to start a podcast about video games? Was it just to to talk about them? Uh, I, I like talking about how games, you know, make me feel. Uh, you know, my show is more like a kind of like a verbal unboxing, you know, kind of a verbal demo. Um uh, I'll talk about a game from the first boot up and go into, you know, a new game file and tell the audience really what happens and what to expect up and up until the point where the tutorial or the opening cinematic is kind of over. I, I like to talk about how, you know, what my experience was and and what anybody else should expect who hasn't played the game already. Um, so I don't really do a review because it's not like a show where I cover the entirety of the game, but yeah, you know, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do spoilers. I guess I spoil the first 10, 20 minutes, but I mean, that's a demo of anything, right? Yes. Yeah, that doesn't count as a spoiler. <laughs> no, no, I don't, you know, I don't cover like bugs or performance because I mean, let's face it, all that's going to get patched up anyway. As mm -hmm. fun as it was to talk about cyberpunk and the 
and the horrific bugs that came in, the hilarious bugs that came out with that. I mean, that doesn't stand the test of time because eventually they're going to fix it and, and all that. But, um, uh, or so we hope, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I like to, you know, yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll poke fun at a game. Even if I love it, I'll poke a little fun at it. But ultimately, um, you know, I just like to talk about how it made me feel because games has always, you know, they've always been a form of kind of escapism, right? Some people enjoy movies, reading, uh, you know, hiking or whatever. I just like to get engrossed into in, in a game. I have I have done so for you know, geez, my first um, my first game system was an Atari seventy eight hundred in the eighties. So I'm wow. an old school gamer, and uh, yeah, right always on. always loved That's it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I always think of your podcast as being kind of like an overview, like an introduction to a game, not so much yeah, a review, an introduction. but like yeah, it's like here's this really cool game, here's the setup, here's the first 20 minutes, here's why you should play it. Yeah, exactly. I like to show the game the love and and the developers themselves the love that they that they deserve because, you know, we're the ones enjoying it. I can't make a video game, you know. So Yeah, right. <laughs> If only. <laughs> I know, right? You do one game per episode, right? I do. Yeah. What games yeah, have you uh, done, and and what do you what do you have coming up? Uh, I've done Dying Light, uh, Mirror's Edge, Catalyst, uh, Days Gone, of course, uh, Draugen, Hellblade, and my latest one was Quantum Break. So very um, story heavy games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't really done any kind of um, you know sudoku kind of like just for a little bit and then i'm done with it kind of games you know mm-hmm. um but uh you know i i start out with my favorite games which are which are these um it was suggested to me that maybe i should change it up a bit and talk about a game i don't enjoy as much uh but that would be harder for me because my podcast isn't about putting a game down or or bashing it really you know i enjoy praising all those involved in the game's creation so even though i don't I, you know i do poke fun at it um, I ultimately, I, I really enjoy the game and, uh, you know, even if it's not for me, it's, you know, it's for somebody else. Um, yeah. so I think that's, that's really cool. It's really good to have like a positive attitude. I, as you know, moderate the days gone subreddit and mm-hmm. mostly it's a really good community where everyone comes together and like, Oh, I love this character. I love this thing. Or I'm kind of confused about this and people will help them out. And then every once in a while we get like a Debbie Downer. Oh, it's I just know. like, oh, this game sucks. I or, know. You were this there for character mine. makes no sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. You joined you the, were there the sub. For my... <laughs> they are uh, they're brutal on there. <laughs> There's always it's like 98% really good people and then 2% assholes. Totally. Yeah. I that's something I've noticed with the Days Gone podcast, which is why I'm like so uh, hesitant on joining another subreddit because I've been kind of spoiled with with you guys on there. Somebody will you know, chime in with something and then like, you know, 10, 15, 20 people follow us saying, yeah, that was awesome or try this or, you know, I agree. Uh, but yeah, then you'll get one of those trolls that come by and, and, uh, kind of try know, to ruin everyone's day. Uh, <laughs> Lord. But what's nice is that when that happened to me, boy, the day's gone subreddit, man, they came in to my rescue and there's a few guys mm-hmm. in there that really just like <laughs> have your back. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was funny the way they poked fun at that guy. Yeah, you know, I don't so. even remember what was it specifically that set the troll off. What were they? What were they? So I, it, so it didn't really make much sense to me because well, I clicked on his name and then you can see all the the comments that he put, and you could tell he just hopped from one topic to another, just writing some stupid comment. And I believe my post said something like, um, you know, uh, what is it like uh, the uh, after effects of playing Days Gone and it's all Ben Studio's fault. And I said uh-huh. how I, uh, uh, what I say? Oh yeah, when I talk to people about riding my motorcycle, I'll I'll say the broken road instead of the open road. And I'm like, damn it. And people look at me like, what are you talking about? What does that broken even mean? Broken road? What is that? What is that? <laughs> yeah, so this troll just comes on and says, because uh, I'm on there as Video Games and Coffee, right? So my name and, and, uh, and I think it's just like, you should be called video games and something, something really stupid, you know, really like, just like, it wasn't even a good burn. If you're going to burn, at least make it a good one, right? <laughs> yeah. You can, you can get respect if you're smart with your burns, like at least yeah. you get a little bit of kudos for, for being clever. But yeah, this guy was just being a complete dick. For, oh not man. And then dick, some, like, and then, and then somebody got my back like right, minutes later, he's like, you're a fucking idiot. Like it's, <laughs> it's just, it was awesome. So, um, and then so I get all was... the mod reports coming in and I'm like, oh shit, what's happening? I have to weigh everything. Because I'm I'm always really careful as a moderator 
to not censor people. Like if someone comes on and says, I don't like the game or, you know, I don't think that this element was done well or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, that's their opinion. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. And also this is the internet. Like we've got to have thick skin. But when people come on and they're just like, oh, you're, you know, your name should be blah or whatever. And just like throw in insults. Mm -hmm. No, no, I, that's, you're gone. Oh no, his was as bad as like a, his was as bad as like an old school, you know, your mom joke kind of deal. It was like, (laughs) man, just get out of here. He really seemed like a, just a child, you know, just trying to be a tough guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, the the whole community has been, been excellent. And I enjoy reading uh, whenever somebody posts after they finish Days Gone, you know, how it made them feel or their favorite parts. Or um, I even like seeing people ask like, Hey, how do I get past, you know, this horde or something? And then everybody just chimes in like, Hey, try this, try that. So I, Really, really, really good group of people. Definitely. Definitely a good group of people. So, okay, now we're on the topic of Days Gone. Let's oh, yeah. get into it. Uh, so, okay, I, I discovered the game. I want to ask you about how you discovered the game, but I discovered the game purely by chance earlier this year. Um, I still can't believe it's only been, what, like eight months since I first picked up the game maybe seven months. I've lost track. I've lost track of time. Everything is just days gone at this point. But I picked it up not because I'd heard of it or because I knew of the... uh, It was free on on PS Plus for a while. I didn't know about that. I know on PS Plus. It was being ported to PC. I don't Mm -hmm. play games on PC, so I didn't know about that. It was completely off my radar. It literally came up as an Amazon recommendation. The Amazon, Amazon algorithm really? was like, hey, you might like this. And I'm like, okay, let's let's check it out. And I pulled up the cover and it's, you know, Deacon sitting against the bike with his gun in his hand and the zombies With the horde him. in the background, yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, yes, I am there for this. This looks exactly like my kind of game. It looked cheesy as fuck. Mm-hmm. But I love zombie games. And I like me a bad boy, a bad biker boy. And I was like, okay, this could work. This could be fun. You know, he looks kind of cool and the world looks kind of cool. And all these zombies is, you know, one of my favorite genres of horror or subgenres of horror is zombie movies and zombie stories. So I bought the game. It's 20 bucks. And I, I just finished, or I just actually given up on Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I love the Assassin's Creed games. They are some of my favorite games. It's one of my favorite franchises. But man, Odyssey pissed me off. It just was way too long. And I realized that I just wasn't enjoying it and I didn't care about it. And I was just so overwhelmed by all of the story threads. And I I honestly probably wasn't very good at it. Maybe if I was a little better at fighting, I might've enjoyed it more or got through it quicker, but it was just taking forever. I was just kind of bored of it. So I was like, eh, I need to put this game down. Let me pick up this Days Gone, whatever, you know, I'll play it for like 10, 15 hours, maybe. Maybe it might be good and I'll get 20 hours out of it. And it'll be a nice little filler before I get into my next obsession, which was going (laughs) to be Horizon Zero Dawn, which I've had sitting on my shelf for years at this point and have never played. And I knew that I wanted to get into that. So I was like, well, let me just, you know, have a little zombie killing fun. And then, you know, this game probably sucks because it looks really cheesy, Mm -hmm. but it's going to satisfy a certain few things, you know, like namely driving the motorbike and shooting zombies. And then I'll just go on to Horizon Zero Dawn. That sounds like a good plan. So the game comes, I pop it in. Within 10 minutes, I'm already like, oh shit, this is good. Oh shit, this is really fun. And then, I mean, the rest is history. Here we are. Uh, started a podcast about it, moderating the subreddit. I just, I play it every day still. I played it uh, three times through now and plus a ton of like additional, just, you know, doing the challenges and and just like messing about killing the hordes and like post credits, just sticking around in the world, just hours and hours and hours, like literally hundreds of hours in this world. And I still don't want to play anything else. It's still my obsession What's what was your intro? How did you find the game? What was your introduction to it? Well, first, you should definitely play Horizon Zero Dawn because it's excellent. It's an it's a beautiful game. Um, but you're right when when I okay, so I found out about Days Gone. It was by chance, but they were promoting it, um, and nobody told me about it. I wasn't searching for another game, you know, of that z- genre. And then I, it was. 
I think it was online and it just, you know, it says, Hey, it's an upcoming open world zombie like survival game. And at that point I knew I liked the theme and the genre. Cause I, I, I think the last of us is a beautiful game. I like dying light, which is an open world zombie game. So I like, you know, the last of us is a great story. Dying light has a, you know, great mechanics and things like that. And this is kind of a combination of both. And it's like, shit, now we're including a motorcycle. Like I'm, I'm in. Um, so the Heck trailer, yeah, why not? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Cause you don't see that And the trailer and all the promotional clips hooked me enough that I bought it when it was first released. So, so this was I, back in 2019. Yeah. So I've been playing it since pretty much day one and, and I still, I still play it. In fact, I just, you know, I had it on earlier. My son, you know, I have my PlayStation. My son is just like, you know, play motorcycle. That's what he calls the game. He's just play Aww. motorcycle. So yeah. My kid is obsessed with a motorbike too. Whenever I get off the bike to go kill the freakers, he gets scared. He's on, he's two. So I, yeah. I always like turn off the TV or whatever, don't play in front of him because he doesn't like those bits. But <laughs> if he walks in and I'm playing it and he sees me driving the bike, he'll just come and stand in front of the TV or sit next to me. And just like, if I stop, he gets really mad and just like wants oh, really? me to keep driving the bike. He loves it. See, my son loves destruction. So he likes, he, he wants me to crash it because Deacon, I mean, let's face it, he looks like a crash dummy. When <laughs> He's he, like a when little ragdoll. Right. He just, arms and legs go everywhere and he thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, that's that's how I got into it. it was a complete chance. But when I when I saw the trailers, I was like, man, I'm in because I'm I'm a big open world guy um, with a with a strong story. And so, um, did you have any expectation of its level of quality versus cheesiness? Where where did you think it fell on that? I didn't get. I didn't think it was cheesy. I mean, because Sam. Where he narrated, I believe, one of the trailers. He oh, kind of so you're going like, off the the actual like footage of the game and narration. Yeah, I was literally yeah. just judging the book by its cover. Where he where he talks about like you know like this is the drifter bike and this kind of deal. I think there were different trailers explaining different aspects of the game, and Sam was narrating him. So that was enough to to hook me in. Um, so I, if I thought a game was cheesy, I definitely wouldn't have paid the you know sixty dollars, right. you know, initial release thing. So I. I put in I put in my sixty bucks and I I it was fantastic. I could not put it down. And I do want to just just a shout out to Ben Studio because you know there were bugs in it. Um in the very you know, the first couple of weeks there were bugs, but they released patches almost like every other day, every two, three days or something like that. So they were on it listening to what everybody was going through. I didn't experience any crashes. I just experienced like little quirks, you know, funny little things like, you know, you mm -hmm. stop the motorcycle and the wheel just keeps spinning. You know, that, I mean, that, that kind of... Sh that, I don't understand why that bothered everyone so much. I mean, unless it's like actually stopping you from playing the game, but I expect a certain amount of bugginess in video games. Right. I mean, there's always something. I, I come from the, the days of the PlayStation 1. That was kind of my jam. One of my favorite games of all time is Tomb Raider, the original 1996 release OG Tomb Raider, and oh, there yeah. was actually a secret that you could get that you could only get when you manipulated a bug to help you jump where you shouldn't be able to jump. So for me, like all of the gameplay bugs sometimes are kind of fun elements to play with because they might actually lead to some sort of reward or, you know, maybe something funny or something kind of glitches and it's kind of amusing or hilarious. Yeah. You know, like you're saying about like Deacon being a kind of a rag doll when he crashes the bike, like stupid shit like that. That's like, I, I don't understand why everyone was so against the game and, and the reviews that it got, obviously, were the reviewers were playing it before it was patched. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm, I didn't see it, so I'm guessing it was probably worse than I'm imagining. But I don't know, that stuff doesn't bother me. No, I didn't experience any crashes, nothing. But uh, Ben Studio kept releasing update after update. And so they were really, they were on it. So uh, aside from that, you know, those little quirky little details, nothing affected the gameplay or the enjoyment that I had from it at all. And I didn't know what to expect because they're, uh, they did Siphon Filter, right? I, I believe right. Ben Studio, Siphon Filter. I yeah. never played the Siphon Filter games. So I never had a, you know, if Naughty Dog comes out with a new game, um, I'm fuck, I'm all in, right? Uncharted, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last of Us. I mean, it's just God, fuck masterpieces, yeah. <laughs> Ma you know, master storytellers. But Ben Studio, I didn't really expect much. Not saying not in a bad way. I just didn't know what to expect from Ben Studio. I'd never heard of them before. I'd heard of Siphon Filter, but that was back when there were what was it, nine eight six studios or something like that. They had some. It was like numbers. But fun fact: Did you know that 
Days Gone is actually a sequel to Siphon Filter. Kind of a, a spiritual sequel, but it, I it read actually that. is. And I it's read in the that. same universe. And from what I know about Siphon Filter, which just to me, I think of Siphon Filter, I think of like kind of, I don't know, I may be totally wrong, but like, I don't know, secret agent sneaking around. Yeah, kind of, kind of like espionage sort of yes. stuff. Yes. How Days Gone is connected to that, I have no idea. But Nero. Uh, Think about oh, Nero. Shit. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. That's an interesting. See, that's why you have the Days Gone podcast. That's why you host it because you think <laughs> of shit like this. I love it. Yep. <laughs> so, how many times do you think you've played Days Gone? How many hours um, have you clocked? You know, I don't go on hours so much. I go based on how many times because I love the story. So, I usually go through a game over and over again because the story is really good. Right. Um, so I, I want to say minimum five. Minimum five, nice. easy, because um, I just think it's I think it's good. What, what I think it's excellent. What, and what I love about Days Gone is it always keeps you guessing about what the game is actually about. What is the plot? What is the goal? Right? Mm -hmm. Because you start the game and it's complete chaos. Right? It kind of reminds me of um, of. Uh, the last of us after they crashed their car in the town, you know, they got a, and Joel's carrying Sarah, right? So everybody's run to the town, you know, the, the, the runners and shit. And in fact, they're all mm -hmm. every, you know, everywhere. It kind of reminded me of that. And then, um, uh, but with really big guns, <laughs> cause you know, he puts a, <laughs> yeah. he puts his hand cannon right in O'Brien's face. But, uh, uh, so it started off strong and, and so you kind of get an idea of, you know, okay, there's some shit really going down. And then boom, two years later, you have just Deacon and you have Boozer. And Sarah's not around, so she's presumed dead. Um, they they talk about going north, right? After they chase Leon down, everything talk about going north. Okay, so you think, okay, that's the goal, right? Let's mm -hmm. go north. Let's leave this shithole that we're in or whatever. Let's go north. That's what we. That's the end of the game is north, right? Yeah. But no, soon after that, Boozer gets um, you know, he gets hurt. So maybe. Now the point is, okay, we got to take care of Boozer. We got to get our gear and then head north. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But then, boom, Sarah comes into play, right? Is Sarah alive? Okay, that's definitely the, the plot. <laughs> that's definitely the goal now. I mean, I it, they changed it up on me a few times, but that's definitely it. But then you find Sarah halfway through the game, and, and you're like, fuck, I hope it's not the end of the game because that was really short, right? <laughs> so no, you have another half of the game. So... Is it finding Sarah then going north? No, it's about Deacon kind of getting over, um, you know, shit from the past, his PTSD, his guilt about Boozer, his guilt about Sarah, getting Sarah out of there and, and ultimately doing the right thing, being less selfish, right? And doing the right thing and kind of taking care of everybody because everybody's in that shit together, right? So he decided to not head north, he's to stay with everyone. Um, so it kept switching up on you. And, and I like that because it didn't get stale at right. any point right. so many different events happened throughout the storyline yeah and like you when you get to lost lake the 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 tone of it shifts so much that originally like you say when you're going north with boozer it's you and Boozman, brothers mm -hmm. in arms you know it's just you against the world fuck the world the world is burning fuck it peace out and yep. then you get to lost lake and it's like iron mike has this whole idealist viewpoint of like we can rebuild civilization we can we can get to a civilized place again and it's like oh okay that's what we're doing oh so it's teaching deacon and boozer to come back into society and to play a part in rebuilding society but then it's not really about that because then you fuck yeah. up and <laughs> go and find the militia you're right and i think one of the interesting things is it gives you so much and so many cool like interesting and and individual perspectives from the characters and from uh, about the world that it's it's kind of open to interpretation you know it's mm -hmm. open to interpretation as to what the theme is what the driving force is what the main goal is apart from obviously just find sarah that's one of the things i love doing with the podcast is getting into the heads of all of these characters because there is just so much to unpack it's crazy. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just, it, 
it's superb storytelling. And I think, you know, if it was a movie or a TV show or something like that, or a shorter game, I don't know if you could do all of that stuff. The, the sheer length of the game is what gives it the ability to kind of hit all these different points and give you so much to connect with. And that's the thing, everyone connects to it differently. Everyone has a connection to the game and it's different for everyone. Yeah, I, I well, yeah, because when, when we got to Lost Lake, then then you have, you know, Deacon, who's more like a fuck the world kind of kind of guy. And you have Iron Mike trying to talk sense into you. You know, now there's other people there and, and good people um, because, I mean, let's face it. Tucker's camp is depressing. <laughs> oh Copeland's camp is like Copeland is like is like he's like Dale Gribble. OK, from Wait, who's uh, that? King of the Hill. All right. He's the conspiracy oh, yes. theorist kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, he's like Copeland's camp is like run by Dale Gribble. Right. You know, you know, you know, the government's all, you know, crazy and shit and all this stuff. But when you get to Lost Lake, it's like the only the first sense of just they, they're with it. You know, they haven't gone crazy. You know, they haven't gone nuts. I mean, Tucker's basically, you know, running a slave camp. <laughs> It's slave yeah. camp, you know, and, and like, who's going to stop her, right? I mean, the yeah, police, I mean, why no? not? <laughs> right. So then, you know, but then events happen. The biggest events happen at Lost Lake. You know, Boozer loses his arm. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, oh, shit, how are we going to get north now? He can't ride his bike. And I know that every tow truck in the game has gas in the back. So we can just <laughs> hop in a tow truck and head, you know, since you can't ride a bike. So like, what's going on now? And it's just so many. And then you have like the Lisa storyline and then. Um, so that's what I like too, is all the little, the, the little submissions add to the story, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to go find Lisa, take care of her. And then she's included, boom, back in the story at the end when, when she shows up at, at Lost Lake. So it really, it's, it's really everywhere. Um, so it's not a linear kind of, kind of deal. Um, so for example, like the last of us, right? You know what you got to do. You got to get Ellie to the fireflies. Boom. That's it. Bay's gone. I mean, it switches every three, four hours, something will happen event wise then you're like oh god what's what's going on now you know yeah and oh you know all the other areas unlock in the map and you know like you, you, you colonel garrett and then you meet Corey. it's like shit man i'll just keep going and see where, <laughs> see where this crazy train ends i know i remember seeing i went online to look something up while i was playing and i was like very cognizant of avoiding spoilers i did not want it spoiled i knew that we were gonna find sarah like at some point because i mean it's kind of where the story's leading you so I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't know, no, you know, you just not guaranteed. <laughs> you might find that she's dead, you know, it's, it, but you kind of have a feeling that she's probably going to show up somewhere. And I saw an image of Wizard Island and what looked like, you know, Deacon standing at the, the scenic over, overlook, kind of looking down at it. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait, where the fuck is that? And I just realized like, hang on. I, I've, I'm at Lost Lake. I've already opened up what I thought was the second half of the map. Is there a third half <laughs> or third part uh, yeah, of the map? Yeah. And, you know, I'm just like, what? What? This looks crazy. This can't be real. And then, of course, you get there. And, and first of all, I was like, wow, this place is whack. Like this island in the middle of the lake. And, you know, it's like a little cone like a little mountain and everything you know and i'm just like this looks completely bonkers and the way they've built the fort around it and then what blew my mind was when i found out there's a real fucking place in oregon and that the whole game is real like you can go to these places it moves some stuff around but they're there I mean, why not, right? Ben Studios in Oregon, you might as well use the uh, the surrounding scenery to to make it very realistic. And my God, how realistic is yeah. it? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, all the detail. I, I like to, open world games, I like to just, I, I like to drive around or walk around or run around or whatever. And I really admire all the little details that, that went into it. Because, you know, you find some way far off point in the map and you're like, Mike, look how realistic this looks. Somebody paid attention to this point at some time when they develop the game. And I, I really admire that, you know, because it's not something that's just been slapped together. So, right. I mean, it, I mean, it is a masterpiece. And then every area that opens up is, you know, there's its own storyline. So the missions only are, you know, pertain to that area. So you're mm. not like at Wizard Island, you got to go up all the way, you know, north to Lost Lake to do something. So you're right. The more areas that open up, I'm like, how fucking big is this game? Yeah. And I've actually heard that there are a couple 
regions that were kind of built or alluded to that got cut. And one of them, you mentioned um, the intro. Someone actually found a hack for the game or, or like a glitch or, or something that they could manipulate that allowed them to get into Farewell, the original town from the opening of the game. They'd actually built it as a playable area and it's still coded into the game, but it's not part of the game. Oh, the, I, thinking, I, the thinking being that maybe it was oh. going to be that that opening scene was going to be like the opening of The Last of Us where you kind of have to play through it rather than just watch a cut scene. Yeah. I think that's what they were going to do. And then for some reason, it ended up getting cut maybe just for length or time or, or whatever. That that should be a DLC for sure. I know, right? They've point. already built it. Like, let us just wander around and, you know, put a few freaks in there or something or use it for the challenges. They should have used it for one of the challenges. You're right. Have you done a lot of the challenges? No. <laughs> I don't either. It's just the story that gets me, you know? I know. I've, I've done a couple. I've done the bike ones. I find those easier. I know a lot of people have trouble with those, but I I, I, I don't know. I like those. I'm, I'm ashamed <laughs> to admit this. This is my confession for this episode. I'm too scared to do the horde ones. <laughs> the ones where it's just this endless wave of freakers. I'm just like, no, please, God, that sounds terrifying. Please don't make me play that. Well, not only are the visuals just frightening, but the music, the freak mm. show music is, mm -hmm. you know, it gets your anxiety up, you know, yes. but I understand because, you know, a game like Dying Light has a DLC where it's just endless hordes of the zombies coming at you. And that was never my thing because there is no end game there. You just yes. keep going until until you die, until you die. Um, I mean, my, I have this recurring nightmare. I've had it for years. And this is because I'm obsessed with zombie movies. I do have nightmares about zombie apocalypses and they always just go on and on and on until i die the dream always ends with me having to shoot myself in the head Holy and the funny shit. the funny thing is i actually kind of <laughs> like those dreams i wish i had them more often because i get to like live through a zombie movie and and whatnot but it, it does always reach that point where there are just so many zombies and i know i only have like a handful of bullets and i'm like well i know this is gonna end so might as well get it over with boom and then i wake up that is so fucking metal i love it <laughs> So, so you, so you said that you didn't know if Sarah was going to be alive or not, huh? Well, I mean, the game, obviously, like I'm invested in the story. Did you have any doubt? I mean, I didn't want to assume that she was. I figured narratively, being a storyteller, you're not going to do all this work, laying all this groundwork and then have it be like, oh, look, there's her <laughs> grave, whatever, bye, <laughs> you know, but I also didn't, I didn't know when it was going to happen. I didn't know how it was going to happen. So I reached a point playing through the Lost Lake storyline where you start to realize from O'Brien that, holy shit, she didn't die at that camp. She got moved to another camp. And then that one got took over by the militia. And maybe she's maybe she's south of the mountain. And holy fuck, who knows a way over the pass? Iron Mike, maybe I can convince it. And I was just like, oh, here we go. And then when you get to <laughs> Wizard Island, soon as someone mentions the Wizard Island witch, I'm like, ding. Like, yep. almost, like obviously, that's going to be her. I was really, I was really sure she was going to end up being alive because by the time you started to do a few of the, you know, traveling up the the hill to drop the flowers off and he talks to the, right. you know, that I thought the story and the, and the character was so strong and so well developed that I was like, there's no doubt that Deacon is going to become a mascot for Ben Studio and, and Sony, much like Mario is for Nintendo and Sonic is for, for Sega, right? There's no way they're going to have this character talk to a fucking rock for no reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, that yeah, can't be right. in the mythos. So I was like, nah, she's she's got to be alive. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, now I think I was just trying to not spoil it for myself and to not make assumptions. I'm not one of those people that when I watch a movie, I'm thinking about the twist. You know, mm -hmm. I like to not even know that there's going to be a twist in case I see it coming. I like something to kind of surprise me at its own pace. And I like to suspend any kind of um, sense of, of my knowledge of storytelling as much as I can and just let the thing tell the story to me. Um, so I think with the game, I was just trying not to think too deeply about it and trying to just think like Deacon and trying to think like, I hope she's alive. There are enough clues telling me she might be alive. If I get there quick enough, maybe I can find her. But there's no guarantees because this world is fucking brutal mm -hmm. you know boozer not only gets his arm burned but then gets it fucking cut off he is now an amputee 
Right. And, you know, and there's just people dying all over the place. You know, Lisa's story where she gets kidnapped and, and you know, Schizo's killing people and you're killing people. And, you know, Tucker's got slaves. And it's just like, wow, this world is not kind to anyone. This is no. a world that is not a happy ending kind of place. And I maintain that the, the ending is not truly a happy ending. It feels in the moment like certain storylines, certain threads are concluded in a positive way but they they did not kill any of the uh they did not stop the hordes coming in per the plan with the dynamite right we you lost know, iron they, mike we lost iron mike um so the idea he was the driving force behind rebuilding civilization even ricky who was the closest in him in terms of having an optimistic point of view i don't know if her heart's in it i don't know if she's got what it takes to lead um, you know, and the the Ricky and Addy storyline, like their relationship seems happy, but I don't know if that's going to last. Like there's enough clues that tell you that they're not compatible. You know, Deacon and Sarah obviously are reconnecting, but the whole plan, like you said, going north, they don't end up going north. They stay at Lost Lake. I know. I want to, I want to watch the mini movie of them going north. That's what, <laughs> that's what I want to yeah. watch. I want to know where they were, where they were headed. I mean, I'm glad they stayed behind, but, um. And I've always been attracted to games, movies, TV shows that were all about the journey, right? A journey to achieve a goal or to journey to, you know, find oneself, that kind of deal. And that's exactly what, that's exactly what Days Gone is. And all the different characters serve different purposes. Um, you know, Schizo served a purpose to show that loyalty to Iron Mike, you know, as hard ass as Deacon is. And up until that point, you all, you only thought he was loyal to Boozer. Um, when Schizo was trying to convince him, we should, you know, Mike should be put out. We should be in. He's like, no, man, I don't stab people in the back that way. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have Ricky, the voice of reason, right? Trying to, you know, soften him up a little bit too. So, um, and when she, when there was that, that little come on of hers, I was like, mm -hmm. man, if Sarah's little. not alive, yeah, if, if Sarah's not alive, at least he's got Ricky. Um, you know, so. <laughs> She's the full, but there's the, the whole issue with Addie. I mean, she tells Deacon, it's cool. I'm in an open relationship. And then you see her with Addie later and Addie's like, where the fuck have you been? Like, you've been yeah, out with Deacon like, all night. It's like, <laughs> Addie's not in an open <laughs> relationship. Like, does she know that? Yeah, yeah. something <laughs> is wrong here. So the going north thing. Mm -hmm. I never understood why that was a good idea because North is going to be colder and harder to live in. You're and right, yeah. we find out in the game that the Freakers are better in the cold and the wet and the snow and the dark places. So surely the best place to go is fucking Arizona or Mexico or, you know, Ecuador. Or, or, so, somewhere where it's like really hot and sunny all the time because all the freaks are coming right. north. Like, don't go with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least Corey was heading the right direction, right? He was going to, what was it? Like, I don't know. He was going a bit south, like Colorado or some shit like that. Uh, but yeah, they wanted to go north and never explained why. Uh, maybe it was hundreds of miles north. Maybe it was just a little bit north. But they, yeah, they were never very specific on it because um, that idea was killed off once once Boozer was not able to to ride. Which is also like the question: like, why doesn't anybody use the cars? There's fucking cars everywhere. I've crashed into enough cars to know that there's a lot of cars there. Why have nobody fixed one up yet? Yeah, I mean, they do have the sort of idea of well, the roads the roads are broken because they're being reclaimed by nature. And also because, you know, Copeland and people like that have blown, literally blown up the bridges to try to stop the freakers coming up. If you think of them as arteries, you know, and like a way to move up and down and around the country, they're clogged. They're clogged up with cars. I mean, when you drive through the tunnels and you have to push the cars out of the way, every time I drive into a tunnel, I have to slow down because you never know what you're going to hit in that first few seconds when your eyes have to adjust to the darkness. There are always cars there. There's no way you could drive a car through those tunnels. Yeah, that's that, that's that's true. But shit, they found a way with that gigantic truck, right? That they, <laughs> that they figured that it. shit out. I mean, I really, know. why not just build a big Holy truck and push shit. everything out the way? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Now, I do like, uh, yeah, you're right. You, you traverse the whole map on the bike. That's a wonderful idea. And your, your guest, uh, Josh Bryant, described it perfectly. It's kind of the mix of a, of a cruiser and a, and a scrambler. Mm-hmm. Kind of dirt bikeish too, you know, um, uh, tall suspension, grippy tires, that kind of stuff. And we've never seen that in a video game before. So them leading uh, the game with that, because you start the tutorial on the bike. That was a strong move. That was a good move by Ben Studio because up until that point, we're just kind of used to eh, driving cars around if we're not running around, right? So right. I thought the um, so I thought the motorcycle aspect of it was very well done all the upgrades and, and stuff like that too makes a lot of fun you can customize it but i mean let's face it the only upgrade worth getting on that bike is a bigger gas tank so you don't have to stop and fuel up as and often. the nitro the nitro yes well. the nitro to try to outrun the uh, the runners but <laughs> every time i try and it's like wait no can't outrun right them. not even with the 10 second nitro no so the, the so if, as far as the camps which What's your, I'm going to say, Lost Lake is probably your favorite camp, right? I mean, Lost Lake is the best camp. And I, I don't know if it's, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the one, obviously, that's the most chill. You know, it's not run by a militia or a slaver or a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it does have schizo, which for most people is a negative. Uh, I, I don't mind him. Personally, I think he's interesting. But, um, but obviously, he's gone by the end of the game. So Lost Lake is obviously the, the, just the best place to be. Um, but I actually like Diamond Lake. I like, I mean, it would be a horrible place to live because it's basically just one muddy field surrounded by, you know, the mm-hmm. fortress, uh, stuff. And, and, but I love the whole area, the way they cut down all the trees and it's all burned and it just looks so fucking badass when yeah. you come down the mountain and it's like, holy shit what the fuck has happened here? Because you know it's not a forest fire. They've right. actually, because you see they've cut down the trees and then like either used the, the the logs to build the fort or they've just like burned everything, like all of the scrubland. They've, they've purposefully done this. And I love it when you leave that area and it has the smoke hanging in the air and then you leave the edge of the burn zone and go into like a regular, you know, neighborhood or something and all of a sudden it's just like, boom, just clicks like away from all of the the burns and the smoke and everything and it's just like normal street again normal no, for you're days right. gone yeah diamond lake is i guess the most intimidating visually uh the most right. intimidating one so if you're a drifter driving through and you got to pee and you see over there's like nah we'll, we'll I'll keep going a little we'll, bit we'll skip to the next one <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um yeah because all, all this shit was done on purpose uh what they call it like slash and burn or something like that so they can uh, I think that's what they call that technique where they, yeah, so they can scotch, see people. Scorched earth or something. Scorch, yeah, so they, they can see, you know, hordes coming from miles away or, right. or marauders or something like that. Um, but I, I enjoyed that part of the game. I mean, it served its purpose for the story, but I really, really just enjoyed hanging around um, Lost Lake. That was like yeah. just, just the scenery, just, you know, driving around there. I even liked going by the sawmill as deadly mm-hmm. as that is at first i i even love love that which is that was, i think that's my favorite horde by the way oh yeah the yeah. sawmill that was absolutely bitching the way they came out at you like that i have a soft spot for the i think it's the lava cave horde i may be remembering it slightly wrong um but it's in belknap and it's not a very big horde but it's the one near all the like volcanic rock kind of area and it's up on the hill and there's like a little tourist shack that you always get ambushed at down at the bottom and it's one of those things where there's a historical marker and you go inside and it's like caves that you know back in when the world was still what it was there would be like tours and stuff through so it's like a little touristy spot oh and there's I, a does horde it have like steps or something like that doesn't it have like steps or something or yeah. another yeah oh no no okay. that's that's the that's the other one um no that's this is one- by the cemetery, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is in Belknap. And I just really like it because the first time I played it, that horde scared the fucking shit out of me. I thought it was a huge horde. It's really not. It's probably maybe 75 freakers at most. But I thought it was this massive horde. I thought that they were like super scary and and I just did not know how to deal with it. And they just keep coming. Like I, I think I drove through the little uh, the little entrance to the cave and they all just poured out the side. And I was like, 
oh my god it just blew my mind and they chased me all the way down the hill and i just i probably fucking died but i had a soft spot for that because it was the first time i actually really was terrified by the hordes and um didn't wasn't able to run away so they get kind of like bonus points for that (laughs) the cave hordes are always really creepy because you'll sneak up on them and they won't be making a sound you won't hear mm-hmm. them breathing or whatever mm-hmm. but then uh all of a sudden you sneak and you see them all just curled up into like, a, like, a, like fuck all of this i'm out right and then there's nothing worse than coming up on that running back to your bike and realizing that the fucking thing tipped over and you gotta you gotta pick it up first. It's like which motherfucker <laughs> came by and did this? Exactly. Somebody, was it a wolf? Was it a deer? Was it a random freaker? Like, get over here! Get here! I'm gonna fucking punish you for this. Like, nobody nobody tips my bike over. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh shit. So, or it's like facing a tree or something. <laughs> you oh know, my like, god! I always make sure whenever I park my bike, it's always like on the road facing a direction yep. I can like, usually I'll park it so it's downhill as well. So you get like a little bit of, you get up to speed a little quicker so that you don't have to like go uphill. And, and if something's chasing you, it takes a little while to kind of get away from them. You've always got to be facing downhill. It's definitely a game you need to have your exit strategy uh, planned out Constantly. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you can't put a dent in those hordes until you at least get to Wizard Island because that's when you get the the uh, the big super napalm kind of, Molotov, the Molotov, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to go back real quick to, we we're talking about the Broken Road and how it's mm-hmm. called the Broken Road because you can't drive on it and it's like physically broken by the elements and by people blowing up the bridges. I have this little theory as to why it's, uh, another reason why it's called the Broken Road. So most of the people in the game, most of the people in the world live in the encampments. Those are sort of walled off areas as safe as you can get them. You know, people are trying to rebuild civilization, trying to, you know, farm or or somehow create a safe environment in which to live. And then you've got people like Deacon and Boozer and some of the marauders that you run into and the ambush camps where people are, are shunning this opportunity they have to live in a safer environment. They're actively saying, nah, I don't want to live behind fences that will protect me. I don't want to work with other people so that we can create food and, and you know, get back into farming and things like that. I don't want to do that. I want to live out in the shit because I am in some way damaged enough and broken enough that that is my preferred environment. This dangerous world that constantly wants to kill you, that's where I want to be. And I just think that the idea of the roads that the drifters and the marauders, they travel on and that they live on, the roads are broken, but it's a road for broken people. And that's why it's called the broken road. That's an interesting point. I never thought of it that way. Um, it, it could also, you know, you can, they have the the freedom to do what they want and whatever happens to them, it was their call, not somebody else's because they're not living under rules of somebody else right this is kind of like an opportunity now it's like you know basically martial law right no there's no government no nothing um so yeah i can see with deacon's personality and boozer especially with them being in the mc there's like ah you know fuck everything because i think he even says no one's gonna tell him what to do yeah exactly because i doesn't he even tell he tells ricky at some point he's like why do you still you know wear the you know the cut you know on the you know why are you Mm -hmm. still flying colors and everything because it's a way to say fuck everything else right so yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, the the writers got really deep enough that we are talking about this right now. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I mean, what a world away we are from games that we grew up on that were so linear, not story driven. And if there was some type of story, it was maybe like a page of text, like, thank you for saving me, Mario, but the princess is in another castle. Like, that's it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Or but like Donkey the, Kong, I think, ends with like you rescue her and then she gets kidnapped again. It's like, fuck, that was it? Yeah, I was That's, like, damn. <laughs> it's like, now you go play the game again. Oh, no, I'm thinking of, oh, what is the, it's not, is it Ninja Gaiden or is it Kung Fu? It's one of those where you literally rescue the girl and then she gets kidnapped again and then you have to play the whole game over. But everything is now slightly faster. 
So all the enemies I mean, move slightly faster and it's just I harder to play. I don't know, but if you were if anyone is ever able to beat Ninja Gaiden, that is a superhuman feat that I will I would love to see because that was a fucking that and the Mega Man were the the most brutal games on NES. But uh but yeah, I mean I would beat I mean, think about it. Back in the eighties, nineties, you would beat a game for bragging rights or because mm -hmm. you're kind of curious on what happens at the end and there wasn't much in between the beginning and the end but uh when you know you get games that came along like the legend of zelda link to the past you know tomb raider um you, you know the 360 started releasing games that were more story driven and like that's what really hooked me in because resident now you want evil silent resident Hill. evil um castlevania um right. you know symphony of the night things like that, that there was kind of a, you kept going because you wanted to see what happened next, not necessarily a variation of the same theme that happened the last level that you defeated, right? Mm -hmm. Shit just gets harder and stuff like that. But um, so that's kind of, so we went from playing games to just kind of doing like a, I don't know, kill some time. You know, you know the game mechanics are satisfying or ha ha, I beat your ass, whatever. But now you're, now it's like you're watching it or you're playing it because you want to you know, see what happens to these characters that were so well, so well written. And Jesus, man, I, I don't know. I, I could talk about it all day, which is why I'm here and why, why I have a podcast doing it. Yeah, yeah. I, I sort of think of those games. The difference is there are games that you win and there are games you experience. Right. And for exactly. me, like you say, like the sort of Ninja Gaiden, Kung Fu, Mario, Donkey Kong, whatever, you're just winning at those. Can you win at this load runner? Like, can you beat the game? Can you figure out the puzzle? And that's a lot of fun, but days gone and, and all the other games you mentioned, the story-driven games, I think of them as being games that you experience the story and you experience the, the narrative and the, the themes and the characters and the question, the question that is posed. You know, it's not... In Mario, will you save the princess? Are you good enough to go save Princess Peach? Right. It's, will Deacon find Sarah? You know, where will the story go? And it's not really about, are you good enough? Because honestly, all it takes with a lot of these kinds of video games is the time. There's never really a point where it gets too hard to play. Whereas you give me Super Mario Brothers, I can't fucking get past the first three levels. Like, I'm not, I don't have the patience to learn how to time those jumps and where everything is and, and all of that. Like that's, that's just repetitiveness. Of, it is repetitive. Yeah. Of, of learning the system and learning like jump, jump, run, kill this thing, jump, fire thing. You know, it's like whatever the, the pattern is. Days Gone doesn't have a pattern. Because you can play it any number of different ways. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of to a certain degree, obviously, it still comes down to skill. It's still a video game. You still have to learn how to do it. But essentially, you could put in enough time that even, you know, non gamers can still experience the story. I, I mean, and look at how many good story driven games now, when you start a new game, the different levels of difficulty they can you know it's like mm -hmm. easy for those who want to experience just the story right and then super hard for those that want the real challenge so they right. know their game is strong in the story so if you just want to play through it just because you love the story you can do that yeah um so i wanted to go back to at the beginning i asked you how many times you played and you said yeah, at least five i have a follow-up question okay how did you stop playing and go on to other games because obviously you play other games for your podcast and, and you've probably played other games since playing Days Gone. I am completely hooked on <laughs> Days Gone and I do not want to play anything else. How did you how did you quit Days Gone? <laughs> oh, or did you? No, I didn't. Um I played I played the I played it through two to three times back to back and then you know fourth fifth time i kind of went back to it again after you know kind of putting some other games in there in between um I, I you know i don't know if i i'm ashamed to say this but i'm not but i like to play games it's very hard for me to pick up a new game because especially if i know it's a gigantic game it's a huge commitment right and you know and i work uh i'm married i have a, i have a little guy here i gotta take care of so i need to make sure it's it's, I'm the kind of guy that when I go to a restaurant, I just order the same meal because I know what to expect, right? So uh, I'll go back and play another game that I've played, like The Last of Us, 
for mm-hmm. uh, Horizon Zero Dawn because I know what to expect. So I just kind of hop back and forth between the games that I know are really good, even though I've played a, a whole bunch of them. But now that I'm doing the podcast, I actually have to find time to play other games because I'm eventually I'm going to start running out of shit to talk about, right? I'm going to start running out of games and I'm not going to yeah. do a whole episode on like a point and click, you know, that <laughs> I played back <laughs> in the 90s. So I got to I got to freshen it up, but it um I the answer is I don't I don't know. Um I mean, I still keep going back to it, so it's not something I can Let's just put it this way. It's not a game I'll ever delete to mm. make room for anything else on my hard drive other shit's got to make room for it because it Fuck will yeah. always yeah it will always be there <laughs> Fuck yeah what is your favorite part of the game whether it's like the gameplay elements or characters or weapons or what's your favorite thing um it's the relationship between deacon and boozer um i mean uh think about it, you get that storyline or the the what's it called? He's, he's my brother, right? You have mm-hmm. that, that particular storyline where you got to take care of him, things like that. I absolutely, I love that. Um, I don't know why I've always just been attracted to that particular type of game where one character's kind of taking care of another, um, and that camaraderie between, between two people. I don't know. That's just, that's just my thing. It's not for everybody, but that's, that's what I like. I like the character development between those two guys. And the fact that Boozer survives a spoiler alert, <laughs> Lives. Don't worry, yeah. I've spoiled everything yeah. <laughs> on this podcast. Um, I feel bad for people who found this podcast having not finished the game because I, I mean, there's a spoiler warning at the beginning, but like mm-hmm. I spoil everything. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, no shame because that's what the that's what the podcast is about. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad that Boozer ended up living at the end because as important as Sarah is to him and everybody else and Ricky and and Addie and everybody. Um, it's the relationship between those two that really just, yeah. I don't know, it stuck with me. That's what I love to experience. Yeah. I mean, Boozer nearly dies three times in the game. You know, he nearly dies when he has blood poisoning. Right. And gets and has to have his arm amputated. He nearly dies when he goes out drunk into the shit, <laughs> like wandering around. And it's like, there's a fucking horde right there that he hasn't even really seen. And then he's like, well, okay, let's fucking do it. Let's let the horde take me out and then of course he nearly dies at the end with the you know the the truck explosion um, and the the one where he goes out drunk that's another beautiful part in the game between those mm-hmm. two because here's deacon he's risking his life to go get boozer it's starting to get dark right nobody knows where he is and he's running into trouble right i think i think you run into some other freakers or I don't know, you find you follow him and i think that's where Go from house to house. You go from house to house, but I think that's where the screamer is introduced. You follow him yes. down to a farmhouse, and then the the screamer, the first screamer you find, is there. So it's like shit. You know, Boozer could have got taken out by by this bitch, and then right. it's like, oh no, wait, he's up on the hill. He's over there in a different house, and then oh wait, he's not there. He's actually wandered down the road and is like about to wander in drunkenly into a horde. And that part is is awesome to me it's one of the most important parts in the game for me because here's deacon he he believes sarah's alive there's a chance but in that moment it doesn't matter he says if this is the way it's going to go out then it's going to go down then let's do it i'm going to stay right here with you yeah and and he would have Mm -hmm. and that's 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 a beautiful moment to me that's that's what develops you know a character into somebody that you sympathize with rather than somebody that you really don't don't care about Right. And um, and since we're on Boozer, and I remember you, you mentioned this in one of your episodes where this is definitely make-believe because in a world like this, everybody would be scrawny, right? So you right. also call bullshit on Boozer's arms because yes. he looks like he eats nothing but protein. <laughs> and he would literally- This is a guy who has a protein <laughs> shake at every meal, like for yeah. real. So I totally call bullshit on that one. <laughs> so, but that's you know that's that's his character. That's what the game requires, and uh, and I love it. He's kind of like the enforcer. He's kind of like um, his you know his, the the big muscular kind of side. Like Deacon could take care of himself, but he knows he got Boozer getting his back. Boozer in your corner, yeah. All three hundred and fifty pounds of his ass, yeah. Jesus. I mean, that's the thing that I didn't connect to Boozer straight away. Because I think it's a dude thing. I think it's like a guy thing. Like guys get that sort of bro code, that connection, that camaraderie, that brotherhood. That was it. Went a little bit over my head to begin with. 
Um, but having replayed it, I now see it and I'm like, oh my God, this is one of the best relationships in the game. They they did a good balance with it because you're right. They, there's a very brotastic kind of, you know, and he's like manly pride, like, no, I'm fine. My arm's fine. I don't need the salve. Like, I'll be good. I just need a couple days. Yeah, calls him a pussy, right? Yeah. But then calls him a pussy for doing that. But then later on, he's like, your girl's alive. Go find her, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's a good balance between the two because he could have just stayed a complete dick. But I mean, he, he, he wasn't. So that's why it was very well developed, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't think he was being a dick. I think he was literally dying of blood poisoning and, <laughs> and, and couldn't, couldn't think straight and was probably terrified and could not admit that that's the failing is his pride it the sort of toxic masculinity perhaps where it's like he can't admit brother i i'm in i'm in pain and i'm worried and i think something's seriously fucking wrong with me and i'm like hearing shit outside that i thought was people trying to sneak in but i think maybe i'm losing my mind like he can't say that it's like the scene in the tunnel when Deacon is losing his shit, that first freaker nest you take out, and Deacon oh, like yeah. takes, he has Boozer's shotgun, he's walking point down the tunnel, and he fucking loses it in a fit of rage where he's just like looking for trouble. He just wants something <laughs> to burn, something to take his rage out on. And Boozer can't say, hey, brother, you need to chill a bit. Like, you're fucking, you're scaring me. Like, you're going too far. He can't say that. What he says is, you're going to break my shotgun. Right. Like, don't break my weapon. Like, do what you got to do, but just don't break my shotgun. And we know that the the subtext is, hey, brother, you need to chill out. Like, you're going too far. You're being reckless. You're going to get someone hurt. And of course, he ends up getting Boozer hurt. That's who he gets hurt. But in that moment, Boozer is trying to protect Deke from himself. But he can't say that because that it, they have this weird, like, the the facade, the pride, the whatever it is, like you can't just say, hey, I'm worried about you. You've got to say, don't break my shotgun. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> there is like, you're right, that, that bromance is strong. And uh, <laughs> and when he when he says, when you when you when he brings back the what is it, the lavender stuff, right? Mm -hmm. For him. And he's like, pussy, I don't, I don't need that. And I was like, you son of a bitch. I not only had to go out in the shit to get this, but I just had to play through 20 minutes of following Sarah around <laughs> in a flashback <laughs> where I walked so slowly. I walked so yes. slowly from one side of this river to or lake to the other. You better take this fucking thing right now. <laughs> and <laughs> then, and I, that's another, that's another dropped storyline. Like he never uses it. You know, You're right. you make no. the salve and then he never fucking uses it. No, the only thing you found out is like, I know Deacon can walk very slowly with Sarah. I was like, golly, let's, oh I, you know God. how many times I, I found myself hitting the, you know, trying to run, <laughs> sprint, sprint, like, sprint. Let's find this go. shit, let's go. Yeah. The walk up to the waterfall is the one that kills me, where you go past the weed Holy farm. Shit. And it's like, it's a super nice romantic scene. Like, I love kind of what happens there. It's a little bit funny and it's super cute. But dear God, let me fucking run. Sarah can keep up. Oh my up. God. My God, do we have to walk this slow? And then she stops and looks at the weed. I'm like, yeah, bitch, it's marijuana. Come on, move along, right, move along, move along. <laughs> let's go. We got shit to kill. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, dear. You're, I think that's something on the subreddit that they complained about. A lot of people complain. About <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a recurring theme. There's somebody, and now if they're listening to this, there's somebody that said recently on the subreddit, he's like, the entire time I'm following Sarah, I tried repeatedly to kill myself or something, yes. and it wasn't possible. Did you see that? <laughs> I did. I liked that comment. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, all right. So we don't have a Days Gone 2. No. Are you hopeful? Do you think that one day we will have a Days Gone 2? What's your take on that? There is no way they're not going to develop a Days Gone 2 for this. And whether it takes, you know a decade to do practically like they did with the last of us because they want to get it right. Mm -hmm. um, fine. I'd rather wait a long time and, and get another masterpiece. Um, but there's no way that a game that strong, that popular and that well-written is going to, is going to end like this because it's so open-ended. I mean, yeah. it can go on it, anyway, you know, a lot of people survive. Um, everybody kind of, you know, bro hugs and everybody comes to terms with what reality is and deacon's 
less of a jackass, you know, by the end, you know, he's a little softy now. Mm-hmm. So um, there's no way they're not going to do it. There's no yeah. way. Yeah. I, I think the same thing. I think it'll be like the last of us where they're like, no, we're not doing a sequel. We're not doing a sequel. We're not doing a sequel. Mm, okay. We're doing a sequel. Sequel. Yep. <laughs> sequel. There it is. We're doing it. All right. So a few things I need to run through before we wrap up. Okay. As I mentioned at the top, I've teamed up with Spornicus Rex for a collaborative live stream playthrough of Days Gone, and we're having an absolute blast with it. You can watch live on the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific. And if you can't tune in live, the streams are still available to watch afterwards. Uh, You can support the Days Gone podcast by leaving a review or giving us a thumbs up. That really helps the algorithm do its thing so more people can find the show. And if you have friends who play Days Gone, let them know about the podcast and maybe give us a share on social media. You can also show your support by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash daysgonepod, where if you're feeling generous, you can throw a little money in the tip jar. And that really helps me with the overhead costs of running the show. All right, Daniel, please remind us where we can find your podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, everywhere. Uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Stitcher. Uh, just search for video games and coffee. Um, uh, you can go to videogamesandcoffee.com. I have all the links there. You can find me and listen to me. And and you're on Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, video games, uh, video games and coffee podcast on Instagram. Cool. And how often do you drop episodes? Do you have like a specific day of the week that they're on? Um, you know, you know, I've just done my sixth one, so I'm still relatively kind of getting a schedule going right with, uh, with being a, a dad and everything. So I'm trying to do one a week, um, mm-hmm. one half, you know, the, the back half of the week, but, um, life sometimes gets in the way at, at unexpectedly. <laughs> I did the same thing with this one. I had a very loose schedule. I would try to get them out once a week. Sometimes I do like two a week and then other week, other weeks it was like not happening. Um, but usually, yeah, around like the sort of episode six, seven, eight, I was like, okay, I need to start doing this on a schedule. Um, it's actually mm-hmm. been, it's really awesome. Like it's, it's really helped uh, kind of have that routine in my week. I really like it. The only problem is I went through this little phase where I was recording so many episodes that I had like a month's worth of podcasts to drop and I'd forget that I hadn't released them yet. And I'd want to talk to people about them. It's like, no one's heard this one yet. This doesn't come out for another two weeks. So now I'm making an effort to do, to actually record one a week and release one a week. It's tough. It's tough when you've got real world stuff going on. Sticking to a schedule, it helps you hold yourself accountable. So you expect it, right? Uh, First part of the week for me is writing. And then the last half is is recording and editing. So um, at least I can expect to do that and kind of fit that everything else into that schedule. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and talking Days Gone with me. This is really fun. Thank you very much for having me. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counter-arguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out. <laughs>